0: it is with excitement that I get to share with you that the Leukaemia Foundation has developed a new resource. This resource is called the online support service, where it provides a wealth of services to assist a person living with blood cancer throughout their patient journey. So whether you're a patient who has just been diagnosed in treatment or in survivorship, this service provides access to targeted learning modules, a suite of amazing services and online programs. And you also have the ability to chat with an experienced blood cancer support coordinator at just one click. It gives people a personalised and intuitive way to learn about important topics, including what to expect beyond treatment. This service is simple to use and is filled with content curated by the Leukaemia Foundation for people with any type of blood cancer. It notably features a digital energy coach to help patients manage fatigue. So jump onto our website and look up our new and exciting product called the Online Blood Cancer Support Service. Hi, and welcome to the Leukemia Foundation's podcast, Talking Blood Cancer. My name is Kate Arkative, and my role at the Leukemia Foundation is a blood cancer support coordinator. We provide emotional and practical support to people living with blood cancer and their loved ones. Our support is offered throughout the many different stages of a blood cancer journey. While listening to this podcast, we will share the stories of people we have connected with who have faced blood cancer, so that you, our listeners, can gain insight, find purpose and take inspiration. The Leukemia Foundation acknowledges the traditional owners of the country throughout Australia and recognises their continuing connection to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. This story may contain content that some listeners may find difficult and challenging. We encourage anyone listening to take care of their own mental health and well-being. The purpose of this podcast is to share the real life stories of people living with a blood cancer. And any discussion of medical treatments is not an endorsement. We encourage you to seek the advice from your treatment team if you have any questions regarding your diagnosis, side effects or treatment. If you would like to talk to someone or even if you would like more information on our services or on today's episode, please feel free to contact 1-800-620-420 and someone will be able to connect you with your local blood cancer support coordinator. So let's get into today's episode. In today's episode, Vanessa Hardy speaks with Robert Smith, who was diagnosed with myeloma in 2019. Robert is from the Northern Territory and was required to travel to Adelaide in order to access life saving treatment. During that time, he stayed at our Bridgestone village in South Australia. Robert takes us through his journey of his diagnosis, treatment and recovery. He really has some empowering messaging during this episode and we hope that you enjoy it.
1: So today we'd like to uh, welcome Robert to the Leukaemia Foundation podcast series. Thank you so much for um, giving us your time, Robert. Uh, It's a pleasure, Vanessa. So we might start with um, just telling us your story and where you were at when you were diagnosed and what was going on for you? Uh,
2: Well, I've been a a long-term renal patient. I've been on dialysis for uh, about 15 years now, maybe uh, 12 years at the point uh, that I was diagnosed. Uh, Unlike many people, I probably had a lot of early warning. It was a creeping uh, sort of uh, prognosis. So when it when it got to the point that I needed to go to chemo, it wasn't a great surprise. Mm. Uh, we sort of knew it was on the cards. We'd done a lot to try and hold the numbers back, but were unsuccessful. But all the same, it's still, even when you get hit with that, that crunch reality, it still knocks the wind out of you a bit. So um, yeah, as I said, it probably maybe didn't hit me as hard as it might uh, other people, but it's, it's certainly not the news you want to hear and not the way you want to go forward. And to some degree, for me, it was, uh, you know, because I'd had such uh, strife with uh, renal problems and had been done dialysis, you feel like a dog that's been kicked one too many times. I mm, <laughs> you <know? a> bet. <laughs> so you go through a little bit of, why me, why me? But which is absolutely pointless, of course.
1: And you have that um, understanding of the health system and what what is to come, I suppose, as well in terms of people who have no idea about the health system or or being ill or unwell um, have that kind of ignorance is bliss.
2: Yeah, I have the, um, well, not sure what's don't, coming. Don't know if I don't know if I'd call it lucky, but, yes, I'm sort of institutionalised into the yeah. ebb and flow of the health system already. So that sort of side of it wasn't a shock at all. I, I knew my way extremely well around uh, RDH, Royal Darwin Hospital, so... um yeah, the, yeah, as I say, whether that's luck, I don't know. That depends on your interpretation of the word, I guess. But That's true.
1: Mm. Um, and when you were first diagnosed, who were the key people that you relied upon?
2: Uh, both the haematology and renal departments of uh, Royal Darwin Hospital, who are bloody awesome. I've got Mm -hmm. to say, uh, like I'd obviously had a long-term relationship with renal and my transition or progression or whatever you'd like to call it um, into the the house of haematology or oncology, whichever you'd like to say, Mm -hmm. uh, was a progression from a renal condition. So uh, it was good in that I had people who I'd, uh, like clinicians who I'd known for a long time, working sort of hand-in-hand with the haematology crew who I'd had uh, no experience or exposure with, obviously. So that was Mm. very good. All through, you know, I have to... My wife has been the greatest support of all time. I I I wouldn't even be on the planet this day if it wasn't for her. The ups and downs and trials and tribulations of, of my life or our life even, as I said, in, in the renal time, so in the 12 years yeah. leading up to my diagnosis. it's um, I'm incredibly lucky that I've got such a supporting partner and I really despair for people who can't say that. I don't know how a lot of people get through. Um, no. So I'm, I'm very lucky in that regard.
1: A very lonely journey, I think, for people who don't have that support and, yeah. and that um, drive to to be there for somebody else as well, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and in terms of living with myeloma now, what do you feel has changed in your life pre and post-diagnosis?
2: Um, well, uh, once I got to the point that I needed... Uh, so I did chemo for nearly a year. Uh, that brought me to my knees. I was I was a shell of a human being, but uh, it did the job. It cleaned my system out and then I had stem cell therapy which also did the job quite well so touch wood i um, uh in, in regression at the moment and uh so there's probably only just the uh you know the every three months you get that dread for the week or two leading up to the appointment saying is this the one but mm. I think um that's probably the I've I, I would have to say I'm in better nick now than I have been for quite a few years, quite yeah. a few years. So um, I'm very lucky that way and just trying my main mission at the moment is just trying to stay as fit and healthy as, as possible, which I think is probably the most important thing of all. I think that physical uh, well-being and physical fitness is inextricably linked with emotional and mental well-being, I really think that is just so important and uh, we've concentrated on that quite heavily. Even uh, during, even when you're sort of a a shell of a human being, I tried to do as much yoga as I could and even just gentle exercise, I swam laps until it just got too much. And, uh, yeah, after the, I was doing, I, I think I was asking questions of Royal Adelaide Hospital that have never been heard of them in the haematology uh, ward, can I bring in yoga bolsters? Can I bring in yoga? Ma- can I bring in all this stuff? And they went, oh, oh, <laughs> we've never been asked that before. So, yes, I, I firmly believe that, yes, yeah, staying physically, physically well, physically fit, is inextricably linked with a, a positive, uh, with a positive outlook, uh, is the best for emotional, physical, and just all well-being.
1: There's been a lot more research and a lot more, uh, in terms of information about how that should be a, a prescription for anyone with cancer, to exercise, and to and even in as you said the worst times and when you don't feel like doing anything, if you can make that 10 steps or 20 steps or you know, something that can then lead to the your mental health boost because the ex, as you know the exercise, can really make you feel better. We've got a new exercise program that Andrew Reid has been working on. And it's, it's putting people in contact with exercise physiologists um, after treatment and in their survivorship stage. So, so important. It is, and and it's it's heartening to see that there is
2: much wider recognition. It seems in in the broader. It's not just a niche or a you know a, a fetishy sort of thing yeah. anymore. It's broadly yeah. accepted that of course it's beneficial to. Yeah, all all factors of your recovery and try, well, trying to keep it at bay in the first place, mm. and and your recovery after treatments.
1: And so important for physical and mental because yeah, it's a, and and as, as you mentioned, also the anxiety of that three month lead up to to the next test, and and I think everybody struggles with that kind of roundabout of is this the month? And yeah, it's it must be. Something that you really need to concentrate on not thinking about.
2: (laughs) Yeah. The first, I'm getting better, I must admit, Mm. but the first couple I, yeah, just about dissolved in a ball of anxiety, which is um, I'm pretty lucky, even like all through my renal, uh, you know, troubles, you know, um, even at the darkest hour, I might wallow in a bit of depression for a while, but I've always been able to drag myself out of it and uh, just sort of slap myself around and get on with it. But it is, it is definitely hard. Um, Mm. So, but I am getting better. And like you say, you have to consciously address, just slap yourself around and say, there's nothing I can do about it. It is, it will be what it will be. So just get on with life. And you know, you you're, you're driving yourself towards a positive conclusion sometimes. If you're getting yourself mm-hmm. into a ball of anxiety and stress and you're pushing yourself towards that outcome, it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy if you go too
1: hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it can be that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so true. And I think as a patient as well, you kind of have that, um, you have those stages where you have to go through. And uh, I guess with Jo, has she, be, has she ever struggled with the anxiety as well of, Oh. Being the carer and, and not being able to – I think it's very hard for the carer to not um, have the ability to fix you and, and and you know, not have that structured regime of, okay, this is what I'm going to do today to get better. Um, yeah, I'm sure she struggled as well. Uh,
2: yeah, and yeah, she, as I said, is an absolute bloody soldier, but she <laughs> keeps so much – you know she has worn so much stress and anxiety over the years with the you know the midnight dashes to emergency with fevers and blood pressure drops and and so on and she it's been a really really hard trot it's been a long hard trot uh during the renal days but with the added uh stress of the whole hematology myeloma episode we had a really rough couple of years and uh she, I don't, I don't know how she holds up. A lot of time, you know, it's easy to be the patient, you know, because people buzz around you. They take yes. the temperature. They, yeah, you know, they, you know, you're dealt with all the time. But the poor old person sitting in the chair on the side just has to sort themselves out, and yeah. it, and it's an incredible load to carry that. a lot of the time.
1: Yeah, we hear that all the time. That, as you said, there's people buzzing around you, and you know what you have to do, and you just have to kind of be there and yeah it's so hard for the other person so so what's your plans moving forward this year what's the rest of this year hold
2: uh the rest of this year holds um i've just got back from a yoga class this morning <laughs> i've uh, just yes. uh finished uh tuning up my bike so i'm doing uh k's on the bike it's ne- i know you in adelaide will probably laugh here but it's nearly getting warm enough in darwin for me to get back in the pool and do some laps <laughs> so (laughs) so that's my main mission i've uh i got made redundant at work uh, while i was in adelaide i actually put my hand up for it so so i'm doing a bit of freelance work which is uh good to keep the brain active as well but the main the main mission is just keep the body and mind as fit as possible eat eat good food exercise stay positive and just you know like you know smell the roses, mm. you know, you're alive. I, it could have been a very different outcome a number of years. Just yesterday it was my wife's birthday and she was saying that two years ago, I didn't think you'd be here for this birthday. Yes,
1: yep.
2: So, you know,
1: yep. we got yeah, a lot to,
2: we got a lot to be thankful for. We we're yes. very lucky in a lot of ways and not in any small part, the Leukemia Foundation were bloody awesome. Unbelievably supportive, and Robert, such we, uh, such a help.
1: We enjoyed supporting you. You are, um, yeah, you're a gem, and both of you are. So it's it's great that you're at home, and and yeah, I'm looking at your background there, and it's just beautiful that you're that you're home in that your beautiful space, and it's great. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> and and with um. With COVID, it hasn't really affected the NT too much, so... Touch wood. Did you have any travel plans, though, that, that have kind of gone out the window? Or oh,
2: no, we... You, you uh, really
1: travel around the NT?
2: Yeah, well, at the, we've just, um, you know, we decided we're decided we not going anywhere. I mean, we could, we went out to Kakadu. We were lucky we are actually out at Kakadu when uh, Darwin had its very brief lockdown. Yes. We had some friends up from Adelaide who got out of town uh, half an hour before Darwin locked down to meet us out at Kakadu, but... um yeah, no, we we wouldn't gamble going anywhere. Maybe maybe at Christmas, but yeah, mm. we, we're just not planning anything. Given we were locked out for eight months, so we were away from home for eight or well, nine out of ten months last yeah. year. So yeah. um, we're just happy to stay put at the moment and
1: enjoy do a bit of
2: gardening and uh, do a, ride the bikes around and just, uh, like I said, just smell the roses.
1: Get back into the cold pool. That's it. <laughs> That's it. I'd be in there today. (laughs) Um, Any other, any other, what we say, golden nuggets? But any other uh, tips or hints for people that are listening to this? I mean, these podcasts are for people to have a listen to and get. You know, people could be at the beginning of their journey in terms of just being diagnosed. So, any any tips that you can?
2: I think it's. um, Though it's not an easy thing to do, um, I think you just have to get into the mindset of don't wallow. Mm-hmm. Just, okay, just take take the treatment and the prognosis for what it is, but don't wallow, don't stew, don't disappear, don't curl up into a ball. Just go forward positively. Try and you know, get out, go for a walk, clear your head. Just, uh, yeah, try and um, go about it with as much positivity as possible and mm-hmm. hopefully that will come back into your life it's not the easiest thing to do i'm totally aware of that but for some people it may might not be a possibility whatsoever mm-hmm. and a lot of people obviously have a a lot worse prognosis than i had and so they might be sitting back and saying well that's easy for you to say but mm-hmm. i really believe that a positive attitude just um, rewards you in so many ways and yeah it it can whereas a negative attitude can actually harm you, and I truly believe that.
1: So true, being present, being present and seeing what you can do in that moment. Yep. Very important. Well, thank you so much, Robert. That's
2: quite all right. It took us I'll a long let... time to eventually get here, but we,
1: yeah. <laughs> we got there. We, we did. I'll let you get back to your day of exercise and yoga.
2: Oh, I'm going to have a little <laughs> lie down now, I think.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That brings us to the final episode of Season 1, Talking Blood Cancer. We'd like to thank all of our guests who have given their time to share their stories. It has been a true privilege to be able to have these conversations and share them with you, our listeners. We hope you've found these episodes helpful in some way. Talking Blood Cancer is going to take a short break over the next couple of months as we prepare for Season 2. We want to make this podcast as valuable as we can, so we would love to hear your thoughts on how we can improve or topics you'd love to hear discussed. Head to bit.ly forward slash talking blood cancer to fill in the survey. That's bit.ly dot L-Y forward slash talking blood cancer. Or you can head to the show notes to find the link. As always, if you would like more information on our services, please call 1-800-620-420 and someone will be able to connect you with your local blood cancer support coordinator. I'm Kate Arkadiff and thank you for listening to Talking Blood Cancer.